we've been talking about detoxing from inadequacy. And inadequacy is a, not a, it's kind of a friendly sounding word, but it actually is that feeling of being overwhelmed that I can't do it. And it has this phrase in common in life that says, I, I can't take it anymore or I'm overwhelmed. It is that feeling of when you lock up and you feel like I got to do something, but I can't do it. And that, that is a, a toxin. God never designed us that way. That's based on a thought that's not true. And so to be detoxed, uh, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, detoxing from that whole idea, you got to get your mind renewed to what God says. And one of the fundamental ways that we renew our mind, uh, a, a word is a thought that's given power, that's given sound, Right? You hear that scripture that says, when you've considered evil in your heart, put your hand over your mouth, right? Like some, some of you said, I'm going to kill him, but at least you didn't say it. You know, you just thought it about your husband. You didn't actually, like, I'm going to kill him. But you didn't actually say it because you knew you'd start making plans if you said it. You'd start looking at guns on the internet like, I'm going well, to do it. <laughs> but you know what? You think, like, that was a wrong thought. I don't need to kill Tracy. Come on, somebody. I just need to just forgive him and just move on. But you, it all went on in your mind. You had the thought, but you, you instinctively know when you say something, you give it power. That's what the Bible says. The power of life and death is in the tongue because a lot of our programming from the time we're this big to the time we're grown and our reprogramming of our mind or the renewing of our mind has to do with our words, what you speak. Have you ever noticed you're listening to yourself? Have you ever heard yourself on a tape recorder and said, ooh, I thought I sounded better than that. But, it, but, but, but a word has a power to uh, change the way you think. Nothing can change the way you think more than a word can. That's why God, when it came to reprogramming the world, redeeming the world, he sent the word, Jesus. He sent the word called love, called redemption. And so the power of a word is the power to change the way you feel. And when you feel inadequate, you've got to get God's word in there. So today I thought to really, because I don't want you just to hear things that Sunday morning. I want to change your life. And it's important that you begin to um, lock into a confession. A confession, some of you know, most of you know if you're a Christian, that Jesus went to the cross. He rose from the dead all for your eternal salvation so that you could go to heaven. But the Bible says that you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart that God raises from the dead, then you'll be saved. In other words, your eternal salvation is about your confession. You had to confess everybody's not going to be saved even though it's paid for, even though it's God's will. It's all there for you. But it takes a confession to lock into what God paid for. So a confession is more like a key, isn't it? There's a blessing behind the door and God gives you the key, but you have to use that key. There's certain things God won't do for you. He'll give you the key, but he won't open the door. So if you want to be free, you want to feel that whatever God's given you to do, you can do it. You can conquer it. You got to use uh, this powerful tool that God gives us, our ability to confess. You know, we, we watch a wedding and, and, you know, we see the beautiful bride and groom. We're waiting for what? That confession. I do. Like if that, if that, if the preacher said to that man, do you, like I recently said with Larry, if I said, do you take this woman as your wife? And he says, everybody in the room is going into shock because we know this is a bad moment because we were all came here to hear two words. I do. And if he can't say it, oh my goodness. Right. 
It, it, at that point, we know, uh, you know, we know that something is not going to happen because there's no confession. That the Bible calls the tongue the authority of the whole body. In fact, it says that the tongue, in the book of James, it says that the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Even though it's driven by mighty winds and tossed by powerful hydraulic uh, pressure, it can be controlled by a single little rudder. And that's why the Bible calls your tongue that you can control all those emotions and all those circumstances by simply remembering that you have to come into a confession and that confession begins to cause the bumpy to be steady. You don't have to always feel right, but you can always have your confession and your confession begins to smooth the thing out. Are you with me? So I'm going to give you these 10 confessions of adequacy, but first I want you to look at Hebrews 3.1. It says Jesus' position as high priest relates to our confession. Look at Hebrews 3.1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of what? Of our confession, Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Jesus was an apostle. It means sent one. That's what apostle means. He was an apostle sent out by God to provide redemption. And having provided redemption, he returned to God to be our high priest. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He went to heaven. He ascended to heaven after providing redemption to be our high priest in the presence of God. He, as the high priest, is the high priest of what? He's the high priest of our confession. Now, this is a powerful um, reality, a revelation. No confession, no high priest. In other words, you got to give the high priest something to work with. He's going to be the high priest of your confession. Not just the confession you said Jesus is Lord. All the wonderful things that God has for you, you have to participate by saying something. And then he becomes the high priest bringing to pass the things that you have confessed. Like he said, I'm believing I'm healed. I believe I'm in remission. I believe I'm going to glorify God through this thing. I believe what the prophet told me. All of those things, man, they're powerful because they activate the high priest in heaven because you give him something to work with. No confession, no high priest. If we close our lips on earth, we silence our advocate in heaven. If we close our lips, I'm going to say anything because it's not working out the way I wanted to. How many know when you pout, you just don't want to say anything? And when things aren't going the way you want to, you don't want to say anything bad, so you just pout. When we close our lips on earth, we silence our advocate in heaven. How many of you don't want to do that? <laughs> I don't. Right? The more we confess, listen, the more we confess, the more we release his high priestly ministry on our behalf. The more we confess his word, his truth, the more something comes out of our mouth, we increase his ministry toward us in heaven. How many want Jesus just, just talking all the time about you? I want Jesus to constantly be saying, hey, hear what he said? Listen to what he said? Bring it to pass. And all the angels and the Holy Spirit are activated by heaven in the earth based on a confession that's coming out of my mouth. That's a powerful truth. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 
let us hold fast our confession. To hold fast means to say something, then keep saying it. You ever hear somebody just say something like, uh, you know, you know, something that you don't believe, but you get tired of hearing them saying it? Like the Atlanta Falcons are great or something like that. <laughs> or the Alabama. <laughs> don't even, so let's not even talk about it because I'm already scared of Alabama, but I'm going to change my confession. <laughs> but you can hear, you keep hearing them say stuff and you get tired of it. But you know, you have to admire when somebody holds that confession. I have a great marriage. I have a great life. I'm blessed. When you hear them saying it, now it's easy to say something one time. That's called positive speaking. But when you hold fast to something, that means there's some, it's anchored in faith. It's something you truly believe. Hebrews 10, verse 20, 21 and 23. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And that's powerful. Now, the, my definition of hope is a confident expectation of good. He said, I want you to hold fast. Hold fast the confession of hope. That means your positive expectation about your kids. Positive expectations about your health. Co- positive expectations about your ministry, about your life. It, don't just say it. Keep saying it. Hold fast to it. Don't let it move. It's kind of like if you can illustrate it this way. If if without wavering, it means like when you're going to a plane uh, and you're traveling and they, the fasten the seatbelt sign comes on, it tells you to expect turbulence, right? And, and it, it tells you to expect something difficult to happen. In the same way, without wavering tells you to expect opposition. The battle is fought and won when we maintain our confession, right? When the Bible says hold fast, it means you better hold on. I mean, hey, it might get bumpy, and <laughs> it might not look like it's going to work out. So look, when you feel like letting go, hold fast. When you feel like it's not working out, hold fast. Don't be a baby. Don't give in. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't think God is against you. Remember, God is for you, and God, the Son, Jesus Christ, is overseeing your confession, and the thing that you're holding to is coming to pass. Now, we read this last week. I'm going to give you those 10 things right now, okay? Uh, Philippians 4, 13 through 15. Now, you know in the King James it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And now some people want to say, well, God can do everything, but I can do nothing. That's not what the Bible teaches. We already know God is great. If God's great, say it. We would say God is great. great. Say God is awesome. awesome. Well, we already knew that. Actually, your confession doesn't make God any more awesome. But it makes him more awesome to you. Right? Say, God is awesome. God is great. Now put your hand over your chest and say, God is awesome in me. God is great in me. See, that's the difference. What you need a confession for is what you don't see yet. Right? So God, the question is, is God great in you? That's what you need a confession for. God becoming great inside of you. Renewing your mind so that you feel that you can conquer this thing. I can do all things. Anytime you hear the voice saying, you can't do it, it came from the devil. 
Anytime I can't do it, I can't take that test, I can't pass that, I can't play football, I can't conquer, I can't graduate, I can't take any more, I can't hang in with this marriage, I can't put up with these. Anytime you hear can't, you knew it didn't come from God, it came from the devil. Jesus said you can do all things. His word says all things through Christ. Say all things. That's inclusive, right? All things. I can do all things. Anything God calls me to do, I can do it. Right? Every situation, every circumstance that God called me into, I can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In Christ, there is a flow of supernatural anointing. So that's the first thing. I'm going to give you the 10. Now, here's my, uh, uh, now let's check. I can confess all 10 of these without stumbling. Here we go. I can do, number one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I live in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm never under pressure. When the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. I perform for an audience of one. I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. We're almost there, right? Oh, here, here we go. Okay, don't. Don't, okay, here we go. I told you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I'm the best there is at being me. I'm the best there is at being me. That's, that's twice. That doesn't count. I'm buying myself time. Number nine. Number nine is, I'll tell you what number nine is. I'm not under pressure. I'm totally cool. I'm flowing. Okay. I'm perfect. I am perfect. I am perfect at the purpose of God. I was made perfect at the purpose of God. I made perfect at the purpose. For my purpose. Okay. And the last thing is this. You don't have to remind me. At the cross, Jesus turned my greatest weakness into my greatest strength. I can do it. Now, can I finish this 10 points in the next few minutes? We're going to find out. Let's go through them together. Number one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it with me. Number two, I live in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm never under pressure. Someone said, well, does the Bible teach that? Well, the Bible says... God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. The Passion Translation says this, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. If you're in the Holy Spirit, you got this thing. You got the resource of God. Number three, when the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. Say it with me. When the pressure goes down, the performance grows up. Most of the things that you think you can't do, it's because you're afraid you can't do it. And you get under pressure and your mind locks up and your flow locks up. And then you can't do things that you really could do because you feel the pressure. And I, I love Jesus, don't you? There's these um, Pharisees, they're, they're uh, going to trap Jesus. They catch a woman in the very act of adultery. So she's half-dressed in shame they throw her down in front of Jesus, and they say, Moses said, stone her. What do you say? Well, you could tell they knew Jesus. They knew he wasn't going to stone her. 
that was the whole trap because they knew he's not that way. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't that way? When you get caught in a mess, aren't you glad that Jesus is not that way? Like, no, go ahead and stone her. <laughs> they already knew he's not like that. And so Jesus, they, listen, now get what I'm saying. Sometimes people are specialists at putting you under pressure. Do you know anybody like that? Your boss, my coach, my high school football coach. <laughs> I mean, some people don't thrive under pressure. Some people think that other people uh, do better the more pressure you put on them, right? And life can be a specialist at putting you under pressure. And look what Jesus did. Jesus, in that situation where, oh, no, I'm going to get caught. I don't know what to do. This is a hard question. Moses said to stone him, and I don't want to stone him. What am I going to do? This is one of those moments where you are caught in a trap, right? Where you're caught in between who you really are and what might even be the right thing to do, and you just can't figure it out. There's no, and look what Jesus does. The Bible said Jesus got down on the ground and like, I ain't in your crisis. And he wrote on the ground. I don't know how long he did it, but that's what you call an awkward moment. He was like, you know what? <laughs> I love the wisdom of this. Jesus said, you got a problem, but I, your problem is not my problem. And if you, if you allow other people's problem to become your problem, you'll live under pressure. And when you live under pressure, you can't be you. You stop being you and you start being a pleaser like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Easy, trigger. Just get up, squat down and write. What does it mean? You need to, when you feel pressure coming, stop. When you feel that tightening in your chest and you feel it in your throat, you feel it sometimes spiritually, you feel it sometimes in your marriage. When you feel that that's a toxin and you got to say, I don't accept that, I'm never under pressure. I don't have a spirit of fear. I'm not getting under pressure. Guess what? I'm just going to spend some time with God. I don't care. It's just, what, look at this picture. This is a suspense crisis moment. Everybody's standing around and Jesus is like, I'm not in your thing. I'm self Look at somebody say, I'm self-contained. <laughs> I'm not in your pressure trap. I'm not in that thing. Oh, no, what's going to do about the money? What are we going to do about the kids? What are we going to do about the kids? It's just like, I'm not in that. You won't find Jesus in all that. You remember when there was a boat that was on, going across the, the, the sea? The storm came up. The disciples were panicking. They were accusing God. Don't you care that we die? And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. I like that. Jesus is like, I'm not in your. Whatever that crisis is, I ain't in all that. If you'll step out of that, you can step into this. You got to make your mind, nobody can make, bring me in a crisis. No situation can make, you just made me feel bad. Don't you like it how other people try to make you responsible for what they did? Why are you feeling, sir? Because you made me feel bad. Nobody can make you feel bad. You have to decide. You didn't make me feel it. Look, maybe they said something you don't like. Maybe they did something that hurt your feelings. Do you really have to get into the drama? I feel like I need to. Stop. Just stop and just write on the ground like, this is poison. I ain't getting in this. I ain't going to be in that. I'm not going to be in the gossip. I'm not going to be in the controversy. I'm not going to be in the drama. Look, look at somebody next to you say, I'm out. <laughs> when it comes to pressure, I'm out. You know, some of you know, the older you get, the more you get that, that message like, uh, I, I'm out. I ain't going to get in an argument for nothing. I always tell my wife, I say, okay, we're about to be in an argument. She's like, yep, we are. I was like, okay, 
we've already done this a lot of times, so can we just fast forward to the end where I say I'm sorry? Because <laughs> let's forget about me explaining why I wasn't really wrong. Let's just jump to the very end. So I'm going to jump. Do we have to actually go through the screaming part of it? I just want to go to the end where I say I'm sorry and we kiss and make up. And I said, sweetie, we don't really have to go through all that because I already know I'm wrong. All the men just say it, I'm wrong. See? It wasn't that hard to do. Just say it, I'm wrong. And, and it really, it does help you when you understand that you have power over whether or not you're under pressure. That's in your head. Being under pressure is in your head. You're all right. You're going to be all right. God's with you. You're going to conquer this thing. See, when you calm down, God's going to give you the answer. When you're still, God's going to tell you what you need to do is speak to that storm. Don't try to calm everybody down, throw some ropes around the boat, get a strategy. When you with God, sleep in a boat, God will give you the right strategy. Instead of panicking like the rest of the chickens with their heads cut off, instead of panicking, you're going to get up and say, speak to that storm. And, that, and the storm just, who would have thought of such a thing? God's going to give you the answer you didn't even think about. God's going to give the answer you didn't even know about. God's going to give you a word of wisdom at the right time. And you're going to say, what was I panicking about? This is what I should do. I said I wasn't going to preach, and here I go. <laughs> but it's really true. It's really true. When the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. Number one, I mean, number four, I perform for an audience of one. I perform. This is a powerful statement. I perform for an audience of one. I don't have to please you. I like you to be pleased with me, but it's not my deal. You know, they crucified Jesus. He was pretty awesome. And he was right. So people's reaction, you can't live for people's reaction. I even want to please my wife, but the truth is I can't always please my wife. But, but I live to please him. And if you please him, it don't matter what anybody else thinks. You're at your very best when you say, you know what? I perform for an audience of one. When I sing, I sing for him. When I do business, I do business for him. When I do my ministry, I do my ministry. Everything I do, I'm not doing to please anybody or to come up to anybody's expectation. I'm not comparing myself with anybody. I don't have to be like anybody else. I am living for one person's approval. That's for Jesus. That's what it says in the book of Hebrews 12 too. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. In other words, he wrote this thing, he's going to finish this thing. I'm not looking to somebody who can't finish it. He's the author and he's the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. In other words, you might have to go through some issues. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your joy. Keep your, that, that outlook, that positive outlook. And you're going to come out at the end of this thing. You're going to endure whatever you have to endure. You're going to come out on the other, other side. It's going to be all right with your son. It's going to be all right. It's going to end up all right. You might have a little bumpy uh, section here in the middle. But at the end, it's going to be just how God said it was going to be. <laughs> Number five. I'm the best there is at being me. Say it with me. I'm the best there is at being me. I already mentioned it. You don't have to compare to anybody else. God made you just exactly how you should be. Don't always think how you need to change. Now, you need to take off some of those edges. Look at your wife and say, I believe he's talking to you right now. <laughs> no, that's a marriage encounter in the making if you say that. 
So <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but you are the best there is at being you. You're the best there is at being you. Don't try to be anybody else. Number six, I am who God says I am. Remember we talked about Gideon. God said, you're a mighty man of valor. He didn't look like it, but God, in respect to you, sees you in the future. Come on, let's just throw this one in. Say, I'm somewhere in the future, and I look much better than I look right now. Just tell someone next to you, I'm somewhere in the future, but I look much better than I look right now. I have what God says I have. I have what God, God says I have strength, I have strength. God says I have wisdom, I have wisdom. God says I have anointing, I have anointing. I have what God says I have. If you don't think you have it, you don't have it. You have to begin to believe you do have. You are what God says you are. Number eight, I can do what God says I can do. I can do what God says, say it with me, say I can do what God says I can do. Jesus said, greater things than this will you do because I go to my Father. He said, you're not only going to do the same works that I do, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. See, why did those guys think they could do it? Jesus said they could do it. Look at somebody say, I can do what he says I can do. This is a confession because in Christ you are adequate. I love this. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10. This is the Passion Translation. We have become his poetry. Now, let me stop right there. Some of you remember this in King James. It says, King James says, we are his workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus. This is the passion, which is an unpacked version of that scripture. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would, we would do to fulfill it. We should read that. The whole thing is just great. Let's just read it together. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. You ought to give God praise if you believe that. I am made perfect for my purpose. That's right. Say, come on, prophesy with me. Say, I am made perfect for my purpose. You got the right nose, the right eyes. You, you got the right color skin. You're the right height. Don't wish you were. All tall people want to be short. All short people want to be tall. Right? Everybody with curly hair wants straight hair. Everybody with straight hair wants curly hair. I wish you had curly hair. I just wish I had hair, period. I'll take curly hair. I always tell my kids, I'm going to go get some hair growth things, and, but I'm going to make sure it's like blonde and curly coming out of the top. <laughs> I'm not going to try to hide it. Oh, yeah, those are fake. It was a blonde-headed guy. <laughs> he had curly blonde hair, and I looked good. <laughs> don't, don't be worried about what you're not. You're made perfect. You're the right height. You got the right personality. You got the right personality for your purpose. Don't try to change your personality. I like it. Come on, just give somebody a hug. Say, I just like your personality. You're just awesome. I just like you. Be you. 
Be who God made you. Be who you are. Don't, don't disqualify yourself because you don't think you're smart enough or funny enough or talented enough. None of that matters. The purpose of God is coming forth in your life. Number 10. Read it with me. Through the cross, he turns my greatest weakness into my greatest strength. Let me give you a scripture, and then we're going to get ready to hear some awesome people. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, this is Amplified, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. Say it with me. Say, at the cross, my greatest weakness became my greatest strength. Listen, your weakness does not disqualify you. Your weakness is why God called you. Because God wants to show his glory. And they're going to say, you know what? If that girl can preach, anybody can preach. If that guy can do it, after all he's been through, that anybody can. That's how you glorify God. God doesn't glorify himself by calling the strong. He called Gideon hiding in the threshing floor. He found the weakest and the most unlikely. And God said, if I'm going to be glorified, I can't go get, a, you know, a Goliath of a Christian. I got to find somebody who can't get it together. Wave your hand if, you got, if that's you. Just say, hey, that's me. Wait, that's me. Okay, because in the cross, in the cross, see, the cross is the power of resurrection. In the cross, God caused your greatest weakness to become your greatest strength. Don't worry about your weakness. I'm not, I don't know if I can do it. You can do it. That's not a weakness. That's a strength. The fact that, that, that you don't know if you can do it in your own strength, that's a good thing. Because that means you're not going to be like the prima donnas who think they can do it. But you're going to be those that say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you with me? Now, I feel the Holy Spirit because everything I'm telling you is absolutely true. And I want you to take this medicine for 30 days. Every day, take these 10 confessions, and I want you to say them every day. Look in the mirror and just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I live in the Holy Spirit, therefore, I'm never under pressure. When the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. I perform for an audience of one. I'm the best there is at being me. I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. I am made perfect for my purpose. At the cross, my greatest weakness became my greatest strength. Now, do you feel the Holy Spirit? I do, man, because he wants to change the way you think. If you don't mind, just lift your hands for a second to Jesus. And say it with your heart. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I live in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm never under pressure. 
When the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. I perform for an audience of one. I am the best there is at being me. I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. I am made perfect for my purpose. At the cross, my greatest weakness became my greatest strength. Come on, if you don't mind, just lift your hands and just thank him. That is 100% true. Everything I said was true, and it's about to come into your heart so true that you're going to feel everything I said every day of your life. You're never going to feel inadequate or overwhelmed. You're going to face it, and you're going to conquer it, and God is going to bring you from faith to faith, victory to victory, and glory to glory. Wonderful, Jesus. Wonderful, Jesus. Come on. Wave your hand and say, will he do it? Tell somebody, will he do it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You're going to make this confession for 30 days. I'm going to help you because, are you with me? I just feel like I need to pray one more time. I, I want to go on to, to finish, but if you don't mind, stand up with me for a minute. Lift your hands to Jesus. you right now to in your mind I want you to picture the cross of Jesus right there he took every curse he absorbed every weakness he broke every chain he destroyed the power of the enemy he destroyed every demonic argument against you every curse that was passed down to you from generations at the cross it was destroyed so I want you to see that cross. Now, what was in you, the inadequacy that was in you needs to be removed and needs to be absorbed by that cross. I want you to see the cross of Jesus. See it? Now, I want you to let go of the part of you that feels like you can't, that you're too weak and you're too flawed and that you're not smart enough and that you're not handsome enough or you're not funny enough or you're not gifted enough all that right now all of that just confess with me say every weakness and all inadequacy in my life leaves my emotions leaves my thoughts and it is absorbed by the cross it's no longer part of my life. I renounce every thought of weakness, of inadequacy. Every thought that disqualifies me from God's greatness, I renounce it. And I speak to that inadequacy and say, get out of my life. Leave me right now in the name of Jesus. And right now with your hands lifted, you're going to feel that that weakness, that those arguments you had against yourself about things that you've done or not done, 
they leave you right now and they are absorbed by the cross of Jesus. They leave you now. All of that habits are leaving your life right now. Sickness. Worry. Pain. They're leaving you right now. Now with your hands lifted, say, I receive. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I live in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm never under pressure. When the pressure goes down, the performance goes up. I perform for an audience of one. I am the best there is at being me. I have what he says I have. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I am made perfect for my purpose. At the cross, my greatest weakness has become my greatest strength. Now, if you don't mind, just worship him a minute. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Now hold someone's hand and say, I have decided with all my problems to follow Jesus. All my mistakes, I've decided. I have decided to follow. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning. The cross before me, come on. The cross before, the world behind me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Turning back, though none go with me, though none go with me, still I, still I will follow. Come on, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, 
turning back. Say it again. No turning back. No. No turning back. One more time. I have decided. I have this. Come on, sing it to Jesus. To follow Jesus. Let the whole world know it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Oh, no. No turning back. No turning back. Say it again. No turning. No turning back. No turning back. Father, in Jesus' name, bless your people. Let your face shine upon them. Be merciful to them and give them peace. Let the strength and the adequacy of God be inside them in their marriage, in their relationship with you, with their children, in their business, in their ministry, in their finances, in their physical body. Let the favor and the blessing of the Lord come upon their life because they decided to follow Jesus. All across the room, say it with me. Say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I renounce the devil. I repent of my sin. I leave my past behind. And I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. From this moment on, all I have belongs to him. And all that he has belongs to me. I receive Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit fill my life. This one life I have, be glorified in it. May my life, may my words, may my work, may my family bring glory to you. For you are worthy. You alone are worthy. 